Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is it? Hello, hello. Mohanad is here. Hello. And Rache is here. Greetings, Earthlings. <laughs> From where are you joining us? From planet Earth, but I was definitely off planet Earth this weekend out in the back country. Ah, and what is the back country? Oh, it's, uh, you know, four hours drive north of the city on Georgian Bay, to be exact. Beautiful, beautiful setting. Uh, you know, completely another world. And, um, you know, I, I still had a chance to uh, follow the games, thankfully. So it really was a perfect weekend. Excellent. Uh, we will be, we'll be talking about Moo later, but I understand that you had a problem with Moo Skeetos. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, if you have good blood and not trying to boast or anything, it's really a curse because I swear to God, they just come and they want to, you know, like they just want to drink your blood. I'm telling you, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is all they do. Uh, actually, quite similar the, to the other movie that I was talking about. Did you see the video of the mosquito on, like someone posted on Twitter? There was a mosquito that, uh, uh, what's it called? It literally was uh, like sucking like the blood of someone and it blew itself, like exploded from ah. doing too much. <laughs> wow. That person, that person was okay for it being there that long without doing anything about it? Yeah, that's very weird of them. <laughs> I mean, you don't notice. Maybe it was an experiment to see what would happen if it did get too full. I think I know how to do that trick, actually. If you see the mosquito on the spot, you kind of squeeze around the spot and it shoots the blood up into a mosquito like when it's close to being full and it just pops it. Okay, that is a bizarre piece of knowledge. <laughs> For our listeners, you know, next time you're out in the backcountry. Right, yeah, okay. Um, well, as fascinating as mosquito chat is, let's move along. Um, there, I want... Once again, there's been an absolute array of football over the last week. Um, where do we want to start? I, I tell you what, I tell you what, it's been a pretty good week for our teams, and I, by which I mean Man United and Arsenal. Uh, and I will let the Manchester United guys start with their, uh, how many victories? Two in the last week. Um, and I, I'll allow you to eulogize over your boy, Mason Greenwood. How about that? Sure, I mean, uh, you know, it's... I mean, I'll leave that for Bernie because he has a way with words and I know he's been really excited about Greenwood, as is every other United fan. Um, but it, it is, it, I feel like, you know, just before this whole COVID thing happened, you know, United were in form and, uh, you know, ever since the league restarted, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch them continue where they left off. And I almost feel like this team has, you know, come off age in their last couple of victories. But obviously... It's, it's going to mean nothing if they lose their next one or two games because the job is not done yet for this team. You know, there's, there's five games left. They are uh, three points behind Leicester, who are in third. They're two points behind Chelsea, who are in fourth. And, um, you know, it, they've shown that they're competing right now, which is great. There's a lot of hung, hunger coming out of these youngsters. And, and boy, are they banging in the goals. So, yeah, I mean, great performances all around. Okay. Bernie? Um just before Bernie goes, I will just say for context that the two victories in the last week were 3-0 against Brighton, uh, which is a pretty good result. Brighton aren't, aren't easy to beat. And then 5-2 against Bournemouth, who are absolute trash. So, so Bernie, tell us why we should actually be excited by this. Um, we should be excited by this because everyone said, well, not everyone said, it was a fact that United played poorly 
in the first half of the season against these types of teams. Um, Sheffield United, it was a 3-3 draw. Uh, Bournemouth, we lost 1-0 away. Um, who else did we beat in this, in this stretch? I don't remember. Oh, Brighton. Brighton, I think. No, we beat them, but we had lost the last two seasons away at Brighton. So it had been tough. So people, would, and we've actually said it here, this would be the test, not the big teams. This would be the test. And they're absolutely blowing these teams away, playing spectacular free-flowing football. It's actually beautiful, and it's a team that we like. That's the thing that's important. A bunch of players with a manager and the whole, everybody, except for Woodward, we like everyone. So we're really, really happy. And I said it before, on this podcast, Mason Greenwood was generational, and one of you laughed at me. I won't say who, one of you did. He is absolutely brilliant. And they've known this for years. Brilliant, brilliant talent. Actually, I just want to piggyback off that comment about Woodward there. I feel like Woodward is in danger of being liked. That's how well it's going right now. And yeah, we're really teetering on thin ice right now if we're going to start liking Woodward again. I think you guys need to give him a bit more credit because I think the stretch of 14 games or whatever has started since his house has been attacked by the fans. So if anything, I think you guys really put him on the straight and narrow, you know, ever since it's been just fantastic. For, you know, protests work. We've seen this. Yeah, all, all of these, uh, all of this started with uh, the United fans going after Woodward's house. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the highlight for me of, from this game, from the 5 2 against Bournemouth, was definitely Junior Stanislas. What a goal. Oh, Maguire. Was that one where he sold Maguire back to Leicester? That was the one, wasn't it? I think that was Lindelof. No, it was, it was Maguire. It was, it was I think Maguire. Maguire is like I get I get why United bought him. Like I get that they needed that type of player, but he's just not very good. <laughs> he's just no, too slow. No. With, with Maguire, he's a fridge. Like like we said, he yes, is, he is very very. If you beat him, it's done. He's very very slow, but he's the best in the air, and he's a one probably top two ball progressors. There's a very big difference between passes and ball progressors in the league. So he actually contributes to the attack more than other defenders do in the league. So is he worth 80 million? No, but he's absolutely been brilliant for us overall. Unlike David De Gea, who's been an absolute disgusting, you know what, let me not even go there, but. Oh, I, thought, I thought you liked the whole team. Yeah, uh, well, I like him, but <laughs> he's annoying me. Also, I, thought, I, thought, I thought attacking abilities of defenders, <coughs> Ramo, <laughs> you know, are, are not something to, to, you know, harp on. And it's all about that rugged defense. Ah, here we go. <laughs> Misrepresentation. <laughs> Defending and attacking, not just attacking. You boys will never win all against right. me. Okay. But anyway, Once, the point what? is, Bruno Fernandez cha- changed his team. Martial's on 20 goals this season. Another one of the guys that you guys said was not it. 20 goals. Rashford, 20 goals. Mason, 15 goals. This is how do you place Lukaku's goals? This is how you do it with a three-pronged attack that is absolutely sensational. And Paul Pogba pulling the strings? Uh, uh, look, we may not even make top four, whatever. And I might be mad about this later. <laughs> but this team is absolutely brilliant, period. Also, I mean, the Joga Bonito from Aaron Juan Basaka. I mean, that alone. Hey, is a joke. hey, six out of six tackles and four assists in the league. You guys didn't think he was even going to do that. So we move. <laughs> I've got something for you, bro. Anything you say, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I have How about say. this? 
Mohamed uh, was pretty unfair on, I mean, you know, Junior Stanislas, like he finished at a tight angle, good goal, whatever, 1-0 Bournemouth. But the goal of this game was Anthony Martial for the oh. third goal. Curling that ball in, kissing the top of the crossbar. My God, every angle I saw I, that goal, it got better. I think, I think the best goal was Greenwood's right-footed goal. That was, the, he was facing away from goal. The, the Kind of the, the core strength to turn with his right foot, which I think, I don't know if it's even this week for Brady. We talked about this. He doesn't seem to have a weak foot, but in my mind, he seems to, you know, the right foot seems to be a bit weaker, but he, he was facing away and to turn and put it in the top corner like that. I, th- I think that was my favorite goal. That was phenomenal. Did you see the video on Twitter where, where they, um, did you see the video on Twitter where they actually uh, had the, like the audio from the players? Don't let him turn. Don't let him turn. He's like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> I don't have to turn. I got two feet. This boy takes free kicks with his right foot. Penalties with his right foot, hits him with his left. Look, man, Mark Nelly can go suck a dick. This is the best under-20 player in the world. You're not impressing us. We watched Santi Cazola do all of that for years. Yeah, Santi was 30. <laughs> this boy started at 17 this season. Don't talk to so me. What do you, Don't talk how do you to feel me. about Alex's? Uh, how do you feel about Alex's agenda for the past week of not buying Sancho anymore now that you have Greenwood? Oh, please. Roche, this one. I'll go ahead, Roche. Hang on, hang on. Can, can I can I lay out my agenda fully? Yes, please. Okay, so my assertion is that if you played Greenwood, you know, on the right or whatever, in one of the front three positions for a whole season, you would get pretty much the same, if not more, goal contributions, as in goals and assists, from him than you would spending $120 million on Jaden Sancho and him having a full season and Greenwood sitting on the bench. Roche, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's an argument to be made, uh, you know, Sancho will need time to assimilate to the team, you know, Greenwood has come out through the academy and, you know, he's played with these players in the in the youth team and, you know, they have a few years playing with each other. Um, honestly, I think there needs to be a little bit of squad depth on the right. Obviously, right now it's, it's Lingard, it's Mata, it's all the players that, you know, the fringe players. Jaden Sancho is a superstar kind of player. And right now, with the form Greenwood is in, he's going to be keeping anybody else out of the team in that spot. So, do you want to spend $120 million to bring someone to sit on your bench? No. I mean, but the case for, for not spending $120 million just got a lot stronger. Mason Greenwood has done a fantastic job at that. I mean, he's, cre- he's crept up to 15 goals. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I think that if he keeps this up, we're going to be saying, well, that's $120 million saved by not buying a Sancho, by keeping a Greenwood in that spot. But you still need a bit of rotation, in my opinion. The only thing I'll add to that is Sancho is 19. Greenwood just is 18. The average age of this team is the youngest in the Premier League and already doing this. If you want to build a force that will last a long time, Mason Greenwood can play on the left as a striker and he can play on the right. You bring in Sancho, you have depth all across that front line probably the best squad attacking like four that you can have in the league and that are young, none older than 24. You do that and then you progress long-term. So absolutely, I say if you have the money, why not buy Sancho? Yeah, I think that's fair. I I think, you know, my point is that I don't think you need him. But, you know, if you do have the money, which you probably do because you're rich, um, that would give you four. It, it, would, it would mean that Solskjaer's challenge would be that every week one of those four has to be on the bench and he'd have to manage that. Um, and we'd see if he was, he was capable. But uh, yeah, it would, it would give you frightening depth up front. That's it would sure. also mean that your predictions about Solskjaer are absolutely rubbish. 
So you're probably due an apology later on, but we'll see what happens at the end of the season. If he if, if he keeps this up, I'm happy to apologize. It's too early yet. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is scared, man. Alex is scared. <laughs> Here's the thing, Bernie. Like he started with like a thirteen or fourteen game unbeaten run, didn't he? And then it all collapsed for a while Quote. until he got Bruno Fernandez for him. You will and, finish and since with Bruno this Fernandez. Quote. And since Bruno Fernandez, he's done brilliantly. Let's so how much can we really attribute it to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Bruno Fernandez was who Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Portuguese genius with massive ears. He tried to sign Bruno Fernandez in the summer and would have gotten his way. That's a manager identifying talent. We're not gonna we're not gonna say that identifying talent is not something we're gonna give someone credit for. Get out of no here. One, you said he would finish tenth. He's not gonna finish tenth. Eat a dick. You were wrong. Now we can talk about no it. No wonder they burnt down his to, house. To also kind of supplement, to kind of supplement the argument, you know, Solskjaer did go on that 14 or whatever unbelievable winning streak after Mourinho left and took the dark cloud away. But then all of a sudden, you know, his challenges to at the end of that season were uh, contracts expiring, players wanting to leave, Herrera, for example. And then injuries coming into the new season with, you know, Pogba completely injured. Rashford had a back injury. And, uh, you know, if it had not been for like a three-month break of this of this uh, Premier League, Rashford would not have finished the season with United. Maybe got like two games at the end. So right now everyone's on a on a full full squad almost, uh, especially United. Like I think everyone's like more or less fit. So um, I, I you know think, you can see that. I, Sorry, yeah, I, you see that with a full think, squad they are better. I think the talent is definitely there. The challenge for Solskjaer is that whenever you have a young pool of players, like Bernie pointed out, their age, they will have dips in form what young players don't have is consistency and that's kind of they always have the raw talent they always have the ability that never goes away but what kind of they learn as they grow is to be consistent and to kind of perform at a constant seven out of ten all games and they give you those nine games once in a while that's what the good players do young players or 16 16 games yeah young players give you games three out of ten and then they give you nine out of ten so what Solskjaer has to do is to then play them at the right time, which is why you need that depth, because they will go through ruts of form where they're not performing well, and that just happens with young players. You can't avoid that. So the fans have to be patient with the young players because they're not going to perform the way they perform this way all the time. But, you know, it's, it is Bournemouth. It is whoever. <laughs> you have to wait and see. It is Bournemouth. Okay. No, that's I mean, fine. They, they, no, that's fine they, they because are, it was born with before when we lost to them. So to me, this is actually better than beating Man City because we couldn't beat these teams before. Um, to Mohamed's point, though, the, the original one rather than the banterous one, is, is the experience factor the reason that Matic is getting three years so he can hang around and like try and coach some consistency out of the kids? Okay. Possibly, yes. I mean, uh, you know, there is a very young squad. Matic is 31 years old. Um, he's, you know, he's been a donkey at times. He sometimes overhits the most uh, easy passes, as we saw with the Baye's uh, silly penalty giveaway. Like, what, what kind of one-two was that? Honestly, it was a disgrace. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, he's just an old player that you just keep around as a you know, part of the squad. It's not like also, also, the man looks really good in a three-piece, so... It wasn't that bad. He does, yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. bad. Less so in a set piece. He's another fridge. You know, he's one of our fridge players. So we have a couple of youngsters and we have a couple of fridges. <laughs> a Fred and a fridge. Every, every, fridge. Other, team, a fridge. every other team has, uh, has fringe players on the sidelines. You have fridge players. 
And, and of course, you know, we have a, an old striker, Igalo. I mean, he's on loan right now, but he's, he's been doing pretty well himself. But, you know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a cinder block up front. So we have one in attack. We have at least one in midfield. And then we have Slabhead. You have to have it across the field, man. And then De Gea has fridges, a, fridge, a fridge for hands. So, you know, all the way through, we got fridges. Uh, he used to. Uh, I don't know about the recurrent form, but hopefully he gets those back. Fridge Fair is not enough. a good thing. <laughs> all right. You guys are excited. I understand why. It's pretty annoying, but we get it. All right. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, Mohaned, uh, a slightly, slightly less exciting week for us, but still quite exciting. And I'll tell you why. Unai Emery this season, goal difference minus four. Mikhail Teta goal difference this season, plus 12. What's going on? Yeah, it's... It... <laughs> So it's, it's been pretty bad overall since the restart, but just last game, at least, against Wolves. And I think what the last three games now, I think, unbeaten run. So uh, it's 2-0 Wolves, 4-0 Norwich, 2-0 Southampton. Yeah, having conceded a goal in three games, which is commendable with this group of players that Arteta has, especially with the injury to Marie. And sorry, Bernie, uh, David Luiz has played in all three of those games. <laughs> Continue, man. Uh, to, to be fair to Luiz, though, to give him that clean sheet, we've had to play five at the back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've put Louise in the center of the three at the back with uh, Mustafi on one side. I mean, that's already something. Uh, I mean, we talked about Van Dijk carrying people. <laughs> I mean, Mustafi on one side, Louise in the middle. And Kalasovac on the other side. Yeah, I mean, it's been impressive to keep the clean sheets. But overall, Arteta has slowly kind of tried to solidify us at the back, which is why the last three games has been playing that five, five at the back. and. It's been working very well for us, especially that our wingbacks seem to have been doing a much better job. Tierney has, is slowly playing much better since the break. Um, he's been phenomenal for us for the last couple of days. Um, Bellerin, less so, but Cedric came in against Wolves and played a really good game. Um, also, the one thing that we've said about Arteta in the past is that he seems to not be able to get the, the whole substitution thing down just yet. He seems to be making mistakes uh, when it comes to the substitute bench, but... Recently, especially with the fact that you get more substitutes now, you just have to even get it more right. And he has. Last game against Wolves, I mean, he brought in Willock and Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and they were both phenomenal for whatever, the half an hour that they played. I mean, it was very surprising to see him replace both wingbacks with 30 minutes to go. Um, and that was just from a fitness perspective. You know, playing every three games as a, in the wingback position is not easy. So I, I'm really happy to see him kind of um, keep that in mind and make those changes and, and and it did pay off at the end. We played a very solid, comfortable game against Wolves, even though I was really worried about Jimenez and Traore and all that. But it was, it was boring, but very solid. And we did the basics right, so I can't complain. And obviously, Alex, the, week, the good week has been kind of completed by Bukayo Sako signing a new, I think, four to five-year contract, which is great. We got to keep our young player. He's been phenomenal all season. Martinelli signed the new contract, another very exciting young player. Strong rumors that Aubameyang has already signed, but it's only going to be presented with a new kit. Are the rumors courtesy of his drunk brother? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, So, yeah, so there's, you know, Thomas Partey rumors are strong. So it's been a good week overall. I I know Bernie is convinced that Arsenal are going to sign Thomas Partey. It's it's hundred percent happening. Like like Mohamed, I know you. I know you want to emotionally protect yourself, okay? But this signing is happening, and I know you love the guy. So get excited. I've not seen a rumor this like, you know, when there's so much smoke. Like, yeah. come on. There's no other team linked to this guy. None. 
Zero. Bernie, you need to read books about Arsenal history and how close. You need no, to no, read no, books no, about no, Arsenal Wenger no, no, no. going to sleep thinking he had made a signing and waking up in the morning and seeing that guy holding no, no, on no, shirt. No, 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 May, no, 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 no. Yeah, Villa's medical is still going. Wenger's <laughs> gone, mate. Karim, this is different. Karim, Ra- Raul for Karim Benzema is coming from Madrid on a camel. And on the Cristiano. Way, like, Cristiano's coming. <laughs> No, no, no. no, no. We, we, don't believe, we don't believe anything till it's on the website. Simple as that. But <laughs> Thomas Party would be would be quite exciting. He is he is generally the type of midfielder that Arsenal have been missing for a long time. Um, you know, we thought we were getting that with Torreira. I don't know if it's too early to say it hasn't worked out, but he either hasn't hit the form or hasn't been a regular enough for to to really be that guy. Also, he's three foot three, and it doesn't help. Like you genuinely do need presence. In midfield, you know, we were talking about fridges earlier. Arsenal, Arsenal could do with a fridge, although Partey is a lot more mobile. He's like a fridge on wheels. Yeah, and to add to that, also, like as that's finally scored away from, I think, like seven years later. Um, so that's something finally off his chest. But I think the rumors are that he's going to be going in the summer. When Doozy seems to be on the chopping block as well, due to some, um, unfortunately, it's just annoying due to some kind of just character issues and you know clashes with Arteta and this and that which is something that apparently he had at Lorient but now it's kind of rearing its ugly head again at Arsenal and it's a shame because you know he seems to be a talent that is very young and it seems to be you know someone that's coming through the ranks and he's playing a lot for his age but unfortunately he seems to be someone else that, that's on his way out so quite a bit of a revamp I think this summer for Arteta but we'll see how he does next season but I'm excited enough to give Arteta a chance I like what he's doing yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I really like Arteta as well. And to answer Alex's question earlier about, you know, what do you think about Arteta? I was actually looking at the form table in the last six games. And the number one team in the last six games is United with 14 points. And the number two team is Arsenal with 13 points. And it's actually kind of unfortunate that they restarted after the long break with two losses straight in a row. In a row because I think in the last six games or eight games, those are the only two losses they've had. So... Um, you know, Arteta really has kind of turned a corner with this team. It's still early days. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, we thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was like, you know, walking on water in his first couple of games. But, you know, maybe Arteta's doing the same. But who knows what the summer's going to hold. If Arsenal end up adding these quality players to their lineup, they could be, you know, contending for top four next season. Um, so there are some exciting prospects, especially if Aubameyang continues to sign. Yeah, I mean, it's a long signature, his name, so it will take him a while to finish <laughs> it. Um, but no, I think you're right. And I think top four, you know, if the summer goes well, top four would be the most uh, that we could hope for. I do just want to touch on, Mahana mentioned Lacazette. Um, and the, he's been linked with Juventus and Atletico Madrid. Now, the Atletico Madrid link has been there for ages. Um, they, want, they had an agreement to buy him before Arsenal did. Um, but... I, personally, I don't really understand it, given the the level of mobility that like a Simeone striker needs to have. You know, you have Morata, you have Diego Costa, you had Griezmann before that. They don't have like static strikers. I don't really know where that's coming from. And Juventus, someone tried to explain this to me. They have Dybala, they have Ronaldo, they have Higuain. And we know they want to get rid of Higuain, but you replace him with a 30-year-old Lacazette who can't move. Well, but Lacazette can move. I, I, I don't. I just think he's not bothered anymore. I feel like he wants a change, and that 
like he could be useful. I don't think he's who they should go for, but I don't think Lacazette is as shit as like people make him sound. But Juventus can and should get better. I I agree absolutely. I I think I think Serie A has proven to be rejuvenation land for a lot of players that we think are past it. You look at Mkhitaryan's putting performances. At one, you know, you see a lot of players. Yeah. That, yeah. You look exactly. You look at a lot of players that go to Syria. You think, eh, why would they? You know, why aren't they buying these old guys or why are they smell? Whatever. It just and it's you know it's not a slight in any way to the league. It just seems to suit the older player a little more than the other leagues. It's slightly less dynamic. It's, you know, a little more static. And it, it, you know, Lacazette might might prove to be an okay kind of focal point for Ronaldo and Dybala to build off um, instead of Higuain that is completely, I think, lost. Yeah, maybe. I think it's also sorry, <laughs> sorry, Alex. I totally for the second time in a row jumped in there, but I just wanted to add in on Serie A. You know, I've in the past I've been very critical of Serie A standards and their speed of play, but in truth, it is a different game. It's a more tactical game. And you know, after listening to Patrice Evra recently talk about his experience at Serie A or Juventus, I had a, a more profound respect for it because they train very hard and they take they take it very seriously in Serie A. So maybe if Lacazette is a uh, you know, at a point in his career when he's where he's thinking, well, I want to take some, you know, I want to train harder. I want to be around players who like are very professional or something. That would be a big change of scene for him. Yeah, fair enough. If he just wants to escape Guendouzi's nonsense. Let's move on to the champions now. Liverpool have had a bit of an odd week. They celebrated winning the title um, and then apparently showed up to Man City on the 2nd of July, drunk as all hell, and got battered 4-0. Uh, weird game. Mohanad, what did you think? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I just thought, I don't know, I just, I just enjoyed it. I thought, I, I don't know why. I actually don't know why I enjoyed it. I just can't explain it. I, just, I was really glad to see them get battered. Because, first of all, they put up their strongest lineup. Um, and I felt that... You know what? I keep trying to find reasons why I enjoyed it. It was just a natural feeling. <laughs> Once someone is so good, you just enjoy seeing them, you know, yeah. get knocked off their, their perch a little bit. It's, a, it's like it's the whole reason d'etre of the British media. They just build someone up and then so that they can tear them back down again. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think City played really well. Um, they deserved their win quite comfortably. Liverpool had nothing about them at all on the day, at all. Uh, I do remember uh, Salah hitting the post, or well, someone hit the post for Liverpool earlier on in the game, and they did have a few chances in the first half. But I think by the end of the game, you know, four 0 City was just pretty much speak for itself. Yeah, to be fair, Salah was probably the only one who wasn't hungover. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So actually, this led me like after Liverpool lost this game, and obviously it was meaningless. I actually did a deep dive into some stats and. I was, I was trying to compare them with, you know, past teams, past glorious teams, for example, the treble team, you know. And I found out that this season, Liverpool have lost seven games. That's, you know, they've, they've been eliminated from various competitions. Um, you know, they won the league. They lost two in the league and five in other competitions. And I compared that to the treble winning side of 1999, for example. That team only lost four games all season. So if any fan is out there saying that this Liverpool team is the greatest team in history, uh, Jordan Henderson better than both goals, I don't want to hear another word out of that person's mouth. All right. I'm, I'm glad your insecurities did not show. 
<laughs> I'm so happy that you bottled them in. <laughs> You're comparing even 99. Oh, that you know, if you want to start diving into into the season, you can also look at how lucky moments you know the 99 team had in in the FA Cup or the Champions. Like, you know, it, it's peaks and troughs, and everybody has to have some sort of luck go their way at some point. But with Liverpool, they dominated the league like few other teams have. They won it. With the early, at, at earlier than any other team have, et cetera, et cetera. Their, you know, their points. They're how far away they're from second. Right. They're going for a record points total. Like they, they have eighty nine points. I mean, you know, let's not get into the the. Yeah, I don't want to rile Bernie up so that he starts defending David Beckham and stuff. But like, the United ninety nine team finished the season with seventy nine and thirteen draws. Liverpool have drawn two games. They have eighty nine points and there are still a bunch of games left to play. Like it, it, it's a it's a different thing. It's just a different thing. I guess so. I mean, you know, but I was comparing them to, you know, treble winning sides, for example. So obviously those treble winning sides have lost less games. But I, mean, I did look I did you know I really did do a very, very deep dive. I was looking for goals for, goals against, I was looking at passes, total passes, key passes. And in every category of these of these stats Man City were dominating all the stats, and it almost seems like it's like, okay, well, how are how are Man City like 20, 20 odd points behind Liverpool at this time of the season? It's, it doesn't show in those well, stats. Man City, Man City lost more games than Arsenal. <laughs> how crazy the city, the city season has been. They just don't draw. They they've lost a lot. They don't draw. They've won the rest. The fact that they've lost, you know, I think they've lost more away games and some really, really bad teams in this league. So the, this has been an absolutely weird season for City from a stats point of view. Yeah, I mean, they, they win one game 8-0 and they lose like three more games like 1-0. That's been pretty much the season it's been. Yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I think Liverpool are chasing some type of history, whatever it is, whether it's goals, whether it's points, I'm not sure which um, they're actually trying to get. Um, but I, I appreciate, you know, in a sense that they're going for this stuff and still playing relatively strong team, like strong team, right. To try and get there. They don't have to do anything. You know, they're out the champions league. This is literally the last thing they have to play for, but they're still going for it, you know, and Aston Villa, was it Villa they beat? I think it was Villa, right? Like two nil Villa yeah, rubbish. Um, absolutely rubbish. Uh, <laughs> which is, which is fun. Cause you know, if they go down, there's a player I want, but you know, just, just, just to Rache's point, they are going to be a historic and great team. We have to accept that. Do they have the cachet of a treble? No. Invincibles? No. If they don't get 100 points, they don't have that or whatever, or even like a Mourinho, like 15 goals. But they will be seen as a great team. Like, there's, there's, there's nothing that we can do or say about that. Did they go beat, you know, literally all the best teams in Europe to go win something? No. But like... It's, I, it's, it has its Bernie, own space I think, for that. I think as a standalone season, they're not going to be in that top kind of bracket as a standalone season. But what they can build on from here is that they can create a period, right? They can win the Champions League last season and come second by a point, then win the league this season with a record, blah, blah, blah. If next season they win the league, let's say again, or maybe a double with the FA Cup or whatever, like they can create kind of a, a legacy around between three to five years where we say Liverpool were killing it between whatever, 2018 and 2022, let's say. But yes, as a standalone season, I don't think it's going to go down in the, in the history books, especially with the whole corona and the break and play and blah, blah, blah. But 
they could create kind of a legacy across the next three to five years, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and also, Roche, you, you brought up a good point, which is about the city dominating the stats in terms of goals for probably, I'm sure, possession. You know, um, City, I think it's a style of play thing. Like Liverpool's style of play has evolved under Klopp to a point where it is now really quite pragmatic. Whereas if you remember the first couple of years of his, his tenure, they would be winning games like 5-4, high score draws. They couldn't defend until Van Dijk. We covered this before. So he evolved their style to be a little less gung-ho, a little more athletic, solidified the middle of the park. Like None of their central midfielders are particularly creative. I mean, Naby Keita is, but he only plays once in a blue moon. They, you know, the, Their midfielders are basically there to dominate the center of the pitch. They, they don't allow teams much. Whereas City, overloaded with technical players. They, they have one way of playing. They overload teams. They pass it, they pass it, they pass it. They get shots, they get shots, they get shots. And if it doesn't work, that's it. Whereas Liverpool have, over the last two years, have had a bit more variety to them. Yeah. And, and from an individual point of view as well, Mo Salah's numbers, and I know he's not always the easiest on the eye, let's say, you know, like the top players and the Cristianos and the Messis and that. And he can seem a bit erratic at times. Um, but his numbers, I mean, to have 100 goal contributions and 116 games for Liverpool, you know, those are Messi, Cristiano types. We're talking 0.9 or whatever it is, 0.8 something, you know, whatever. What's 100 divided by 116 here? We're talking... Oh, well, it's almost one. <laughs> 0.86, right? So that, that's insane, especially when you consider that, you know, they, he is playing in the Premier League. It's his season only, you know, his first two seasons with Liverpool, etc. He's He's put up some really good numbers and no way, you know, if anyone at Liverpool tells me this is what they expect to get from him, I would call him a liar straight up to his face. There is no way, no one expected this kind of return from Salah. We know he was an okay player slash a good player slash someone who could get better with time, but to, to do this in his first two seasons, breaking the goal-scoring record in his first and then, you know, continuing that form into his second season... I think individually he's had a fantastic couple of years that no one saw coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we've talked enough about how good Salah has been. I think Mohanad has also been slightly protective of it. Like, he, you know, he doesn't want he to... He wants to enjoy it and, uh, you know, make sure it never ends. But honestly, Salah has been phenomenal. And yeah, he's putting up numbers that we haven't seen except for, like, Messi and Ronaldo in the last couple of years. And Liverpool have been an absolute phenomenal force. Like, you know, they you know, ninety-eight points last season, probably hundred and four or so this season if they if they win the rest of their games. So um, you know, he's integral to that team, that attack. They are a blistering force and he's, you know, probably a little bit underrated even with his scary ass stats. Um and yeah, like to Alex's point, yeah, the signing of Van Dyke and Allison, obviously great things all around. Yeah, for sure. And and it's a team. Bernie has no contributions when it comes to Liverpool. I think. Yeah, I mean, are there any like key themes or like questions that people really want to hear about Liverpool? Well, we right talked now? we talked last week about where they should strengthen, and we had a fight over Firmino over the group chat. Yeah. Two days ago, just about you know Alex taking the, the red corner, myself and Bernie taking whatever the opposite corner to that would be. <laughs> you know, Alex. Obviously, rightly so, pointing out that Firmino is there to do different things and blah, blah, blah. And we get it. But, you know, can he score a goal once in a while? Like, it wouldn't harm. <laughs> I, think, I, I think the narrative with Firmino is simply... Uh, Firmino, not Firmino. With Firmino is simply, they won the Champions League and they won the Premier League. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Jurgen Klopp is not there thinking... Uh, maybe I should go buy a 30-goal striker because, like, I'm going to win more? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's how, that's how he sees it. 
I think actually what's more important is uh, that center mid and center back uh, partnership because you can't trust Gomez to stay fit. Lovren is an idiot. And Matip also has fitness issues. Like you need someone else. And that's probably going to be more important long-term. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's also about, you know, you know, we did discuss Firmino and could he score more? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, his role is to be a facilitator. But if you look at Liverpool's goals, they're really interestingly spread out. So you've got Salah with 21, Mane with 18, Firmino 11. And then you've got Ox with seven, Origi five, Wijnaldum five, Milner four, Van Dijk four, Trent three, Henderson three. And then you've got Curtis Jones, Naby Keita, Joel Matip, Andrew Robertson. So they, they get a few goals from pretty much everyone which is something that's actually really rare and speaks also, to the, the kind of combinations that they, they create. Actually, yeah, like you're seeing that pretty even distribution of goals. But if you look at their assists, their assists, I think Trent is number, number two in the league behind De Bruyne in assists. And then everyone else has pretty much got six or seven assists. You know, I think Robertson has eight assists. Trent has 12. That just kind of speaks to their fullbacks and how much they've contributed. That's 20, that's 20 goals. I think I think when you see Salah with 21 and Mane with 18, and then in third you've got Firmino at 11. I think you know do, do they have do they have cover in those positions? You know if they get a long-term injury to a Mane or a Salah, let's say three months into the season, you know can they can they cope with that? I don't think they have those options. I mean they have Origi for central, and I can't think unless someone is escaping me. I mean Shakiri is not it, Ox is not it. I can't think of who would come in. And really, kind of carry some of that load if Mane or Salah, even a bad patch of form, you know. I just, I feel like they should sign kind of someone in that middle range to kind of cover in for one of those two when, when you know, they don't need to be playing all the time. And and that's that's one of the hardest things to do. We've we talked about it in turn before when we've talked about Spurs trying to sign someone who can play back up to Kane. It's like you need to have someone who's good enough to actually contribute when they play, but not good enough that they want to play all the time. And that's, that's tough. And, and so next season, yeah, we'll either see Liverpool recruit to, to bolster that attack, or we'll see as they already brought in like Minamino and I can't, I assume Shakiri must be out the door, but whatever. Um, and Origi and the, those guys will have to step up. It's one of the two. Right, right. Um, speaking of City, though, we've mentioned them quite a bit. They did, after that amazing win against Liverpool, they did come out and lose to Southampton 1-0. Which, I mean, fair play to them. Their XG was like 3.8, <laughs> like 0.6. But today, a lovely goal by Che Adams. What a chip. I mean, the fact that he took it first time, to have that awareness to see that, you know, um, the keeper was off was, I think, a really smart play. He hasn't scored in ages. I think he's been in quite a drought. He, he's been a failure of a signing in general, I think. Um, but, but yeah, he's, that, that was a great goal. And a goal fitting to win a game. Um, so, oh, it was glorious. It was yeah. a bit early on. But, yeah, they, I can't believe they managed to hang on to a 1-0 against the Mighty City. And I am also a little bit mad that I had a Southampton player in my lineup by the name of Danny Ings, who did not do anything. This game, <laughs> I would have expected him to get the goal. He got a clean people. sheet. Yeah, but he's a striker. <laughs> Zero points. Like, um, let, let, let's, let's be real here. City had 26 shots. I think 13 on target. And, and like, it seems to me from the few highlights I saw, 
the defense and the goalkeeper produced madnesses. <laughs> yep. And also, Gabo Jesus is absolutely terrible. Um, but also, in addition to that, Ederson needs to calm down a little bit. Keeper keeper is great. Yes. But, like, that goal was also a, 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 a calamity. It was Ederson oh, and who was the guy in midfield that gave, gave up the ball? Two of them. I can't remember it was, who it was. I think it was. I think it was Rodri. But, look... Talk, like I, I get the whole Ederson thing, and it's pointed out because it's Ederson. But when you look at the whole play, Ederson, yes, he's high, but City had the the ball in possession very comfortably. There is no reason for Ederson. No, to no, be no, 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 no. That's not that's not, that's not my issue, Ederson. The first pass into from Ederson to whoever it was was not a good pass. I don't remember who it was that gave it up. It was not a good pass to that person. And then uh, Che Adams got the ball and dinked it over. That's fine. I can understand that, but. All I'm saying is Ederson is a you know second best goalkeeper in the league. I'm not going to deny that, but he makes a lot of mistakes and people let it go because he has good distribution. Like call it what it is, he did this against Man United also, where McTominay chipped him too. Like he does this enough Shane, times. Shane, why can't, why can't we call it out? Saying he's the second best goalkeeper in the league in this league actually means nothing. And it was scary. Like I was trying to think, you know what? I hate Ederson. How can he be the second best keeper in the league? Even though, yeah, he is because everybody's so bad. <laughs> I mean, if I if we're think... being honest, if we're being honest, on this season's form, the best goalkeeper in the league is Dean Henderson, if we're being honest. But again, you don't do that based on just one season. It's based on the aggregate of different things. But yeah. that just, yeah, I mean, that just bar... goes to your point. If Henderson is statistically the best goalkeeper in the league, then it's shit. <laughs> yeah. Bar Allison, I can't think of anybody that's kind of... Casper Schmeichel. No, mm, that's sad. That's harsh. He's a good keeper. Yeah, but he's not that guy. Like I'm talking top caliber keepers here. We've got Allison. Oh yeah, I, I would I would suggest that each league probably has like two or three at the most. Like how many actual elite keepers are there? Eight. Yeah, that's a point too. Well, no, because La Liga has three, and and Courtois has 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 changed everyone's mind now. So you've got Courtois, Ter Stegen, and All Black. Sierra, sure. uh, I don't know who they have. Uh, Esni, Buffon, yeah. Paulo, like don't say Buffon. Andanovic is not bad. Yeah, but this is my he, point. He's not bad. Not yeah, yeah. The Premier League is only Allison. That's it. That's the only league goalkeeper they have. That's sad. I, so you're not including the hair there, just. Man, I can be honest the, about not, the not hair. enough credit in the bank to. I can be honest about the hair. Two years ago, sure, not now. No, I'd have Dean Henderson right now. You guys know that. <laughs> Right. Sure. Anyways, let's um, let's look at Chelsea a little bit. Sure. Give so our- uh, uh, another up and down week for them. They battered Watford three nil more most recently, uh, and then they lost three two to David Moyes' West Ham. Before that, um, for me, the main takeaway from Chelsea uh, in the last couple of weeks has been Christian Pulisic. Struggled early on in the season. Was in and out of the team, rotating with Mason Mount a lot, but he has been absolutely on fire since they started up again. Two things: one, comparisons to Hazard; <laughs> two, that is what a good manager brings out in a player. When you have a top, top, top class manager in Frank Lampard. <laughs> Great. So, what, what were the what were the comparisons to Hazard just there? Like, what was that for? Yeah. Chelsea fans on Twitter are saying, oh, man, watching Pulisic, I'm starting to get some Hazard vibes. Wow. I'm, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, he's a good player, but Hazard at that same age was almost a world beater then. 
yeah, no, I mean, brilliant. And I, I, I don't understand this top, top manager thing when you just lost <laughs> like three days ago, but okay, on it. I know it's sarcasm, so we move. I can't see Rache's screen, so I can't see if he's dying inside or not. But uh, I mean, <laughs> I could see Mohamed's face. I knew that he was kind of trying to wind Bernie up a little bit. You know, I think Lampard has definitely overperformed a little bit to be in fourth place right now. And I'm not saying that because I have a bad bone in my body towards him or anything. But you can just look at the stats, you know, the goals for, goals against. At this time of the season, you can see all the trends emerging. Chelsea have the worst defense in the top six or seven. And their attack isn't really that great. I mean, they're, they're about 57 or 58 goals. Uh, you know, and, and there's a pocket of teams between like 51 and 58 or, or so goals. So, you know, if they have the worst defense out of all of those of those teams, then they've definitely overperformed to be in fourth place. Okay, can I just but, say that you know, I'll give Lampard credit. Of, I'll give yeah, a bit sure, of credit bit. because after the West Ham game, he was furious. <laughs> and and that's, I, I love to see that in a manager, like because you could tell that training was going to be harsh for these boys next couple of days, and and they reacted to it because guys, that was a terrible performance against against West Ham. Like we can't joke about how garbage they were in that game. He was very honest too, which is nice to see. He was honest. He came out and said we we're horrible and we were horrendous and we need to do much better. But speaking of doing much better. William's trying to get a new contract slash a move to another club. So he's performing like prime Ronaldinho for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I have a bit of a soft spot for him. I, I think he gets harshly treated most of the time. And people kind of know that he's about to be a free transfer. So he's like a bit more in the spotlight. But he, he, he's a regular contributor. Mm. Look, he's a good player, but talked about him in the past and I think it was him that we said he needs to contribute more from a stats perspective he needs more goals and assists for, for a silky Brazilian winger so like yes he, he does he's a very good player he always gives you the 6-7 out of 10 you're never going to get you know less than that yeah. but we need more from the stats we need more goals and assists from him and, and that's kind of what he's been doing a bit recently so he, it's kind of put him like. this is about to be his best season for Chelsea period like he's got the most goals he's ever scored in the Premier League this season uh, he's on 11 goals, two away from his, uh, all competitions, two away from his personal best. So props to Lampard, maybe. <laughs> but at end of the day, as Mohamed said, we killed him because he never had assists, never had goals, and just sat there on the right and waited for free kicks. Like, it's not been good enough. I mean, he's also pulling another Bayor. Remind In me the now. contract sense? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's very harsh on Willian. I'm just saying. I mean, what? what? <laughs> wait, wait, that's not where I thought Alex was going with that. I can feel Alex's heart sinking right now. Alex, please tell us. No, just Adebayo was just a massive mercenary who moved around from club to club. And when it looked like things were going bad, he played really well and then got a new contract. Williams just been at Chelsea for the last decade. But that's what I wanted to touch on, which is that the most impressive thing about William for me is that in the seven or so years he's been there, his appearance, his playing style and his athletic ability have not changed one iota. I don't know what he's eating or drinking, but I want some. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen Williams. I haven't done a deep dive into Williams' stats, but he's been integral to the Chelsea team in the last four or five seasons. And I think he's won a couple of leagues as well. So I'm, I'm kind of with Alex on this one about Williams. I think he's a great part of this team. Can, can we talk about a bad part of this team? Just because there's a quote I heard this week, and I really want to say it. It was yes. uh, uh, Antonio Rudiger. Uh, and he's defending against Yarmolenko. And someone said, if you're going to get Robin, at least get Robin by Robin, <laughs> not Yarmolenko. 
<laughs> it's like yeah. me, me and Alex were watching this goal, and we were just like, Rudiger, like, Yarm, like, I often wonder, do football players know, like, like, do they watch other teams as much as we do? Because, like, it's Yarmolenko. He only has half of a left foot. Like, that's all that exists. Like, why would you allow him to cut inside? You let him go out wide. If he scores from there with his right, you can kill us, uh, whatever, whatever his name is, Aspie, or whatever the hell the keeper is. <laughs> whatever. You can go after him. But why would you let him... That's all. Yeah, it, it's insane that these professional players keep making these stupid mistakes. It's in so the last true, man. Like, Kamalenko is so one-footed. It's it, like the fact that he can walk is is impressive. Oh God, that, that yeah. I mean, Aryan Robin was one-footed as well, but you know, hey, maybe Yarmolenko is also benefiting from this three-month uh, rehabilitation period. <laughs> oh, I think he definitely is. I think he was injured beforehand. Ian Robin, by the way, returning to football after coming out of retirement. He's now playing for his hometown, Groningen, which is nice. In in what? Holland. Yeah, like in 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 the, in the top league or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what league Groningen's in. Probably. Well, they're in every yes, disease. Groningen yeah. is in the, in the Netherlands. Oh, I know where they're they're in. I just don't know whether it's <laughs> or League One or League Two. Like, what level of football is it? They're right. they're like one of the biggest clubs in the Netherlands. So no, they're I'm not. <laughs> Rache, what are you doing? Don't don't insult yeah. all of the Netherlands like this. <laughs> I mean, there's like six teams that are like always there, thereabouts. Okay, whatever. Ajax, PSV, they're always there. Then I know, know Rache hates every league in football, league. but <laughs> Groningen, Groningen's up there. I think um, you know I have a soft spot for them because I believe that Singapore legend Fandi Ahmad played in Groningen for a little bit. Yeah, and, so uh, that's really why fun. you know them, and now you're calling them the biggest team in, in Holland. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not the biggest team, but they're definitely like, I mean, you know what, like, yeah, I mean, P- pushing for the Champions League spots, mate. I, I've, top 10. I've just, I've just done a bit of research. Roche is right; they are in the top ten. They're ninth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, they take the I'll take it. I'll take the dub. The yeah. the, um, the Groningen fans voted Fandy the most popular player and the most skillful. That tells you all you need. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's talk about Tottenham and Everton a little bit. Um, Spurs today beat Everton one 0 Mourinho got the result he wanted, but definitely, and I hope not the performance that he wanted, because if this is the performance he wants, then good luck to everybody. But it was bad. It was boring. There was fisticuffs between Son and Luis <laughs> finally connecting with his target with his fist. Um, and just, <laughs> it was bad, man. They were uninspired, slow. I'll tell you what, Mohamed. I'll yeah. tell you what. Mourinho is going to go to that press conference. He's going to say, three. How many? Three. What's yeah. the score? And he's going to be like, I got three points. And uh, Amazon Prime or whatever who signed up with Tottenham for their eight season uh, hit, they're going to be like, we got a fist fight. We got three points. We got a Mourinho press conference afterwards before, during. <laughs> Amazon is going to make so much money because everybody wants to watch the season. And Mourinho, the comments of like, you know how Mourinho, he has the same pattern with every club. And around three months to go before the summer, it's always the same comment of, well, my general manager knows what I want. Let's see if he gives it to me. That came out today. <laughs> so he's, yeah. Really? He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on, he's on for the typical clash with Levy in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Also, the the other thing that he said that, that really annoys me is that so they 
they won this game. The previous game they played was uh, they lost 3-1 to Sheffield United, right? And Mourinho was absolutely fuming about the performance. And he said that they had a meeting afterwards. And obviously, like, the press asked him, you know, what went on at that meeting. And he was like, what happens in the, in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. I'm paraphrasing. I'm like, bruv, you're in the middle of a documentary. It's not staying anywhere. It's going to be all over the internet. Also, Mourinho doesn't keep anything in the dressing room. He throws people under the bus instantly. Yep. Everybody knows what's going on. Yep. Man, yep. like, um, that Sheffield United game was hilarious in that they actually deserved to equalize. That VAR, that VAR call to me was rubbish. But anyway, I celebrated and enjoyed it because I hate this man. But again, the performance was absolutely terrible. And then in this game, terrible as well. It just goes to show that Ancelotti cannot save Everton <laughs> if, there, if Spurs are going to play this badly. Yes, I, I was actually, you know, I, I know what Mourinho is going to give me, but I was so disappointed by Ancelotti. And, and it, and, you know, not to allow, not to say that this one result um, justifies uh, our opinion about him, Bernie, but like, I just, he just doesn't care enough to make, to make a difference. Like, he's still playing with Duncan Ferguson's 4 4 2, Calvin Lewis up front, Iwobi's on the left for no explicable reason. Like, this game was rubbish, and Everton were rubbish from minute one to minute 90, <laughs> and he did. Literally nothing about it. Like, he might as well have had a cigar on. Also, every 10 minutes, he just made a random sub. Starting from the <laughs> minute to the 76th minute. 10 minutes, he just did. You know, he had five subs. So across those 50 minutes, he just made a sub every 10 minutes just to feel like he's doing something. It's, the, the other thing is the $40 million that Arsenal got for Alex Wobie. Like, that is phenomenal. That is unreal. That is going to go down in, you know, you know like, the... the the history of like robberies, like great yeah. train robberies and stuff, you know, colonialism, stealing statues and putting them in museums, like 40 million for Alex Iwobi. My Build God. a statue of Raul right now because honest, like, like honestly, that was sensational business. And there's, you can't tell me there was no better business done by Arsenal in the last 10 years. You can't tell me that. No, <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't even try. But yeah, mm-hmm. Ancelotti, I get the feeling that he's just like sitting there wondering how long they'll let him continue and, and see if they, anyone notices that he's not really doing anything. Uh, he's just like, collecting he's a writing his, He's writing his name right now. He's yeah. his name, and I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, where are they in the league? Let's see. Like ninth or tenth or something? Eleventh. Okay. And, and like, like, fair play to him. I don't care. I think it's really funny. I'm just surprised that Everton don't, aren't a bit more annoyed about it. Yeah, but that's, that's just, to, just to put it into context, that's 11th, two points away from 14. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've got just under 10 minutes left. Do we want to do in, like uh, continental stuff? Like quickly? Yeah, we can do a quick thing. Ronaldo yeah. scored the howitzer that made it to Twitter. So the howitzer uh, and then the free kick? And then so, the free kick. So Ronaldo's, you know, turning back the, the t- tides of time. Yep. Uh, Every week it's like Ronaldo Rocket, Dybala, Curler. Ronaldo Rocket, Dybala, Curler. The Dybala this time was a Ronaldo, dribble than a curler. Oh, yeah, true. Ronaldo's uh, marketing team is phenomenal though because when people really start to dig into like all these like all this hype on Twitter, like they're like, okay, so Ronaldo scores from outside the box since his last one, Messi had scored like 18. <laughs> so this free kick, yeah, it's like his first one in like 43 attempts. <laughs> It's just such good marketing, man. <laughs> yeah. 
if you know if you guys noticed the uh, the dozen dozen canada twitter account like uh, whoever's running that is a massive ronaldo fanboy oh yeah, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. captions are mental but also <laughs> my brother had a really good point that no matter what messi does ronaldo's has a different flavor it has that boom it has that like boy i want to watch this a million times like messi will score a curler from outside the box you're like oh wow messi well and you move on Ronaldo, you'll watch that, you know, that rocket like 10 times on loop. He just has uh, something about like his, his, the visual aspect of, of, of Ronaldo. I don't who know what are it is. you? Who are you? And what have you done with Mohamed? Because Messi, Messi will score a tap it. And I'm like, oh my God, guys. And throw it on the thread for three days. Like, what are we talking about? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking <laughs> about the general public. Mohamed, what, what, you're, what you're referencing is, is an intangible. And it, it's, it's called the lack of consent, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Is getting political. Ronaldo oh. just does what he wants. Intangible. Oh, intangible, but yeah, but but uh, you are running away with this league, unfortunately. Um, yep. Yeah, it's just going to be a flashpoint in the summer. I will tell you this. Like Bernie knows, um, I predicted that Inter Milan might win the league this season. I thought they bought well last summer. Conte is a domestic league god generally, um, and I thought the Juve would struggle under Sarri more than they have. But if Conte doesn't win the league, which he won't at this point, having spent all this money, he's going to go mental. We've seen, you know, remember what he did after the year he won the league with Chelsea? He wanted all those different players and he ended up signing like Zappa Costa. Yeah. And like he's already <laughs> trying to buy Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea. Like he, he's just an absolute nut, nutcase in the transfer market. I think that's that's something to watch. Can we say to Rache's point about Syria, if if you're Conte and you're looking at Victor Moses, Ashley Young, Emerson Palmieri, Alexis Sanchez, I'm sorry, I don't have respect for this league. Like I've now reached the, I've now reached Hakimi, that point where I just don't like. Don't, don't. He did sign Hakimi. Don't forget uh, Romelu Lukaku, and now they're just finding out his true colors. Um, you know, what, he's black. He leaves United. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 terrible. Oh my god, no, no, when he, when I, did that, I did that to make you uncomfortable. Rashe. <laughs> 20, 20 goals, though. 20 goals. I mean, that I mean, the guy will score goals, he will be as frustrated like he has another 20 that he didn't score, but he did score 20 goals. Wanted, say, say the tweet, say the tweet because it, it really I actually burst out laughing when I when I when I read it. I thought I can't remember it, man. It was that, like that was, Robert well, Lukaku, 20 goals. Up. But, but wallahi, you don't know what they're for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, he goes the season, wow, well done. Half of them are him falling over. Half of them. It's funny, man. But the guy can score goals. I'm, so. I'm also just going to put this in a little bit of context. Um, because just beneath Lukaku in the goal scoring table for Serie A are a bunch of people that I can guarantee that he, like most of people have never heard of. So you've got Chiro Mobile up, up there with 29, Ronaldo 25. Lukaku, 20. Number four, Gel Pedro of Cagliari. Number five, Luis Muriel of Atalanta. And number six, Francesco Caputo of Sassuolo. Like, there are only a couple goals behind Lukaku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. You're putting, you're, you're putting it in perspective the same way with the United Board. I see. You love that. You love that. I appreciate that, Alex. Thank you. Context just helps, you know? Yeah. yeah. I do want to also important. throw in, you know, 
devil's advocate over here, but I think some of Lukaku's goals were like, you know, the game was already 1-0 going into the 89th minute, and then Lukaku gets a tap-in, and then everyone's like, wow, Lukaku, he scored three games in a row. Like, completely meaningless goals. Roche, no, 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 I think no. that, that would be a good subject for a deep dive. Roche is accurate, because in a sense, Lukaku's goals only meant anything when Alex wanted to troll me and be like, oh, he scored again, where are your goals? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, did, now I did for a while tell you every time he scored a goal. Uh, uh, until yeah. until we actually started scoring a bucket load of goals, Alex couldn't bring that up. But yeah. <laughs> I actually forgot I was doing that. I would have continued. <laughs> oh uh, man. La Liga, any oh Griezmann redeemed himself a little bit. What a dink. Mm, 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 Alex, mm. tell us tell us about the commentary. Oh, Ray Hudson. Uh when when Griezmann's chip went in, he said uh, that Le Louvre were calling Barcelona because they wanted to hang that one on their fancy museum. <laughs> I, I listened to that, and first I was really impressed with his scream. A, he was just, you know, it was an absolute animalistic scream. And I just came from the back country, so I know what an animal sounds like. Say back but, country one more time. <laughs> but also, like, after the Louvre line, he was like, that chip was as soft as a, as a slug's beer belly. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, no, I can't stand for that. No. That no. whole goal, that whole goal was Messi's back heel to him and his awareness. Just Alex, 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 do you see this? Do you see this? Uh, do you see this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he can't let us yeah. have this. He just can't let us have this. Well, he oh, spent also, five minutes praising Cristiano. So Ansu Fati, Ansu Fati, like he's 17 or something, bro. It's ridiculous. It's crazy scoring these goals. He has like seven or eight goals in La Liga. Like, I mean, he's slightly under the radar still. He still, you know, hasn't really burst into the scene. But if he does keep on this trajectory, I mean, he's 17. Can you imagine? You know how young that is. Like, imagine if Barcelona luck into another like absolutely generational talent that they can rely on for the next 15 years. Well, they, they had Ronaldinho, then Messi. They need someone to start emerging now just to save them from their financial doom. <laughs> yep. All they have to do is uh, feed someone HGH uh, on the back of some prescription <laughs> and they go. can have the next Messi for the next two decades if they like. On, on, Ansu, on, Ansu that, acids. on that bombshell... Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Sergio Ramos uh, has more goals this season than somebody oh Griezmann and I think Suarez so uh I am now officially ready to retire my Sergio Ramos agenda it'll probably Bernie come back Steve in like Bruce's a week or so. top season was like 17 goals man all right it's back then the agenda's thank back thank you fuck them <laughs> <laughs> all right guys that'll do talk to you next week peace For downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekosh blog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.